0: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football today. Back on college football today. Top 25 battles, front and center stage. There is no margin for error today. Rivalry games, national championship implications. This is what it's all about. We were talking about the Big Ten battle, Indiana and Purdue. Indiana's won four straight over the Boilermakers by 11.7 points per game. But, Rich, this is a Purdue defense that's come on in recent weeks over the last four games, holding opposing offenses to 74 rushing yards on the ground. I think they're able to force pressure on Indiana's offensive line. That's giving up 26 total sacks as an offensive unit. I think Purdue becomes bowl eligible and gets a gutty 13 point win in West Lafayette.
1: Somebody is going to get a very pivotal victory today in West Lafayette. It's you know the old oak and bucket is up for grabs. It's a big long standing rivalry. They've battled it out for a century or more. And now there's a bowl game at stake and as I mentioned before the break This is not your garden-variety bowl game for these teams because both programs are led by first-year coaches that have more work to do. They want to have their teams in the month of December. It'll help their fan bases. It'll help with ticket sales to grab that bowl game. And both teams have been... You know, they've been up and down, but playing well. I mentioned Indiana's defense outstanding last week. It was 34 to nothing against a Rutgers team that, that has shown a spark from time to time. But I agree with you. You were on Purdue last week, which was a fantastic pick against Iowa. You were right. That defense playing very well. Nick Holt, the defensive coordinator, doing an outstanding job with marginal talent. I agree. I think Purdue wins this game
0: well, here's the matchup that I look at when you look at Indiana's offense. Over the last six games, they're only averaging 115.5 rushing yards per game, and they got the victory last week against Rutgers, but they've got back-to-back victories over Illinois and Rutgers. When you look at Purdue, they've played yeah. the tougher competition. They knocked off Iowa last week, held that Iowa offense to 82 rushing yards two weeks ago. They lost a very close ball game to a hot Northwestern team and held that yes. offense to 94 Yards on the ground to me, that's the difference, and I think the better head coach here at this point in the season is Jeff Brom Brom over Tom Allen, and he understands big games. He brought back-to-back conference USA titles to Western Kentucky, and he understands rivalries. And
1: oh, by the way, we talked about PJ Fleck in Minnesota. Jeff Brom, one season at Purdue, his name is being bandied about as a possible candidate for SEC openings, whether it's in Arkansas, Ole Miss. Uh, Tennessee Jeff Brom I don't know if he would do it but he might have some opportunities for another promotion for a second straight year. Yeah, that's a great point. And the the quarterback, Elijah
0: Sindelar playing very well over the last couple of weeks. He completed 60 of 98, 98 passes, that's 61%, 627 yards, five touchdowns, one interception. The strength of Indiana is their secondary, but I think they have more offensive balance to really challenge Indiana, stretch them vertically, and I look for turnovers to play a, Critical, um, uh, ball, critical factor yeah. in today. Purdue is plus three in turnover margin. Indiana enters this game at minus eight. I think that's another factor to watch out uh, for in West Lafayette. It is a 12 o'clock kick. It is on ESPN. When we come back, we'll be breaking down Clemson in South Carolina, Notre Dame, and Stanford. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi and Ritz Cermonello live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34. Day of college football, just in about an hour and a half, talking some Notre Dame, talking Stanford. Stanford has lost three of the last five. Actually, they've won three of the last five by 5.3 points per game. Got this victory last year in South Bend by a score of 17 to 10. Bryce Love did have a big game filling in for Christian McCaffrey last year. I expect it to continue if he plays, like you mentioned, but I'm still not sold on Brandon Wimbush on the road. He's going to have to attack that Stanford secondary vertically. I mean, Stanford giving up 172 rushing yards on the ground, look for Notre Dame to run the football early, but at some point he's going to have to make plays in the passing attack.
1: I think you're just upset at Notre Dame after not covering for Very much so. (laughs) You're sort of jilted by that Navy result. Yeah, I I, I think last week Notre Dame was sort of looking ahead. You know, they had the tough Miami loss on one end. They had the uh, trip to the farm this weekend. I think Navy they just sort of took lightly. But I, I like Notre Dame. Uh, tonight just because I think it matters more I I think this game matters uh, to Notre Dame because if they win they're getting a major bowl invitation if they don't they're going to be vulnerable and probably be on the outside looking in whereas Stanford I you know I I don't know where their heads are going to be because again I'll reiterate this game kicks off eight o'clock on the east coast so does the apple cup between Washington and Washington state And Stanford needs the Cougars to lose this game for them to win the Pac-12 North. I think it's impossible for these kids not to be paying attention to some extent to what's happening at Husky Stadium, whereas Notre Dame will have a razor focus. And again, Bryce Love, he's not 100%, even at less than 100%. He's great. He's still one of the best backs in the country. But I don't know what how David Shaw uses him knowing that there's a possibility they're going to need their star running back a week later in Santa Clara against USC in the Pac-12 title game. That's a good point, but I still think he plays in this ball game. It's Notre Dame. I mean,
0: I can't see him missing this ball game if he's eighty percent. Expect him to suit up. I mean, unless it's really to the fact where he can't cut on that on that ankle because it is an ankle injury for the most right, part, right? Right. So I mean, that's the factor again. I. Look at Stanford as being the more blue-collar team, even though they're still not up to Stanford standards, what we've seen in years past, because they can be attacked vertically, especially in the passing attack, and I think that's where Notre Dame really could have an advantage if Brandon Winbush steps up, but we haven't seen that type of consistency out of him as a pocket passer. He's going to have to make plays with his legs. Stanford's given up 172 yards on the ground, but Washington State as well attacked that defense vertically, and that's the difference.
1: I do think Brandon Wimbush has has made strides as a passer. He's doing a better job of getting Chase Claypool, Equinemius St. Brown, Alizé Mack involved with the offense to complement Josh Adams out of the backfield. How about the matchup between if Love is able to play and is 100 percent? You have the two best big play backs in the country. I mean, nobody is ripping off more 50-yard jaunts than than Bryce Love and Josh Adams. That will be a great matchup. I want to see more from the Notre Dame defense. I I, I don't have a lot of respect, uh, Joe, for the Stanford passing game. K.J. Costello would be the quarterback. It's a marginal passing unit. I think you can stack the box. I think you could have Tavon Coney. I think you could have Drew Tranquil focusing on Bryce Love. Doesn't mean they can stop him, but they should be able to control the running game knowing that there's not much of a threat from that Stanford passing attack. I actually think Notre Dame is slightly more balanced. I have more faith in Wimbush as a playmaker than I do K.J. Costello on the other side from Stanford.
0: I think this is a high-scoring game, though. I think 34-24 Stanford wins. I mean, by by, stan- by standards of Stanford and Notre Dame. Sure. I mean, both coming off low-scoring games last year, 17-10. to I think this is a little more high-scoring, but Stanford does pick up a 10-point victory.
1: Yeah, I agree with the high-scoring, but I like Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame has had <laughs> a lot to prove. This would be a big victory for Brian Kelly to get to a major bowl game in a season where that he began on the hot seat would be a major achievement I do think they're trending in the right direction, the Miami game notwithstanding. But but this is a different type of a team. You know, Notre Dame struggles with those fast, sideline-to-sideline defenses, teams that can out-athletic them. That's not going to be the case for Stanford. And you touched on it, and I'd like to mention it. The Stanford defense that we've grown accustomed to, maybe with the exception of Harrison Phillips, who's having a great year uh, at defensive tackle, this has not been the traditional Stanford defense. They're more beatable, and I think they'll struggle against that ND running Yeah,
0: in. we'll see. It's an 8 o'clock kick. It is on ABC. Another 8 o'clock kick is uh, ACC-SEC clash. It's Clemson and South Carolina. Clemson's won three straight over the Gamecocks by 22.7 points per game. I think Clemson steps up, yeah. challenges that South Carolina defense that's given up 222 passing yards per game. I think they put
1: a whooping. On South Carolina tonight. I think anywhere
0: 24, 27 points
1: later tonight. Wow. I, I, that would surprise me. I mean, listen, you've been hot lately, so I'm not going to,
3: to you've battle been hot. against you've you. Been hot.
1: Well, I, I mean, you, you've really had a good pulse on certain teams. Uh, we'll see if that's the case with Clemson. I, I don't think it'll be that comfortable. I'm not sure if Clemson has the offensive firepower against a Will Muschamp defense that has been playing well, DJ Wanham up front, Sky Moore at linebacker, the secondary giving up a lot of yards but also creating some big plays as well. I think this is a competitive football game. I'll go back to rivalry week. This game really matters to South Carolina and Muschamp. The fact that it's at Williams-Brice Stadium, that place will be energetic. It'll be rocking all night long. And I'm just not impressed, Joe, with that Clemson offense. This is not the Taj Boyd, not the Deshaun Watson type of an offense. They're they're kind of dinking and dunking. They're struggling to get big plays. They have nice talent in a Deion Kane, Travis Etienne out of the backfield, Tavian Feaster out of the backfield, but they just haven't been consistently potent on offense. I think South Carolina can control that offense uh, of Clemson. Now, Clemson's defense, that's my big concern. Clemson defensive line against anybody could be a mismatch. Against South Carolina, it could be a particular mismatch. A lot is going to hinge on Jake Bentley not making turnovers from behind center, but I think South Carolina competes in this game. I think this is a 60-minute game, so I'll take those two touchdowns. That's one of my best bets it's, of the day. It's a bitter rivalry, yes. too,
0: and here's the matchup that I look at from an offensive perspective. You bring up great points about South Carolina. Here's what I look at. Now, they lost that ball game on the road in College Station 24-17. to Since that time, they've been on a run, but they haven't faced an offense like Clemson and his balance that will stretch that defense vertically. Even though they're throwing short to intermediate passes with Kelly Bryant, he's completing 61% of his passes, 2,154 yards, 10 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. But he is a, p- a player that has weapons. You mentioned Deion Kane, Hunter Renfro, Ray Ray McLeod. These are the type of players that can stretch that secondary. You look at some of the teams that uh, South Carolina has played. Florida, Georgia, Vanderbilt tennessee i mean these are these aren't dominant passing attacks that he's that defense has gone up against and that's why i like clemson in this ball game i mean Georgia's pretty good though But they're one-dimensional jake from they're not they're they're not a five but i'm not sure i'm not sure if
1: clemson is anything more than i don't even know if they're one dimension this year i mean they you know take it take out the games against weaker opponents you know, the Wofford, you know, that that's going to skew the numbers a little bit last week playing an FCS opponent. But I have been really underwhelmed by the offense this season. I mean, they just have not had enough explosive plays. One of the worst teams in the ACC in terms of explosive plays this year. And I think that continues today. South Carolina. Has not allowed more than twenty-eight points in a game this season, and and okay, maybe they haven't faced the athletes that they'll see against right. Clemson. I don't think the Tigers get above twenty-eight. I mean, I, I think this wow. is going to be something like a, a twenty-six to seventeen victory for Clemson. I, I think there's a lot of pressure on Clemson if they want to contend for a playoff spot. They've got to win here and then obviously beat Miami in the ACC title game in Charlotte. But I I, I think this is a this is a prime spot for a two touchdown underdog at home with absolutely nothing to lose South Carolina 5 and 1 in Columbia this year to compete with the more talented Clemson team.
0: Yeah, you bring up great points. I mean here's the thing from an offensive perspective Arkansas pro style offense with Austin Allen. I mean they want to run it. Same thing with Georgia and Jake Fromm Uh, Tennessee did did have Garantino that did start that game so and Vanderbilt with Kyle Shermer so all offenses that were predicated from an offense that want to run between the tackles and work off a play action here with Clemson from a personnel perspective, they're going to spread your five wide and they have have a quarterback in Kelly Bryant that's going to put pressure on the perimeter of that defense, and I think that's the matchup. Why I like the Clemson Tigers here, because of that added dimension, not just from Bryant through the air, but on the perimeter in terms of where he's legs. most dangerous. Correct.
1: Yeah, I, I, that, that is the best weapon on the Clemson offense right now, is Kelly Bryant running the ball. There's no question about it. That, that is the best weapon within that offense. I, I say 26-17 Clemson. Give me I a can score. You see that.
0: I, I think it's high scoring. I think Clemson puts up 42, and they hold uh, South Carolina in the area 17. Okay. I, I, think they, right. I think they win it convincingly by 25 points. I, I really feel after my, Miami lost that ball game uh, yesterday in Hines Field, do not expect Clemson to come into this ball game, especially a rivalry game to not be focused and looking it, ahead. And one thing yeah. Dabo Sweeney does better than any elder coach, he has his teams prepared each and every week, especially for these big ball games. When we come back, we'll be joined by ex- the executive director of the Maxwell Football Club, uh, Mark Walpert. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonella, live at the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34.
2: What's fantasy nerds? It's Ashley from Asheny's Answers. And I'm here to share some fun facts with you about my friend Jake Sealy, who, by the way, has never met me. Actually, here's one fun fact. They're making me read this great stuff about Jake, and he won't even pick up the phone and say hello to me. I'm just supposed to sit here and make him look great, and he's not even a great human being. Here's one. Jake's the top three fantasy ranker in the last two years. Great. But is he a good human? I don't know. I can't vouch for that. I heard he doesn't even like puppies. So decide for yourself. On Target with Jake Sealy weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern and 1 p.m. Pacific.
0: Talking a little top 25 action, final week of the season. Talking a little Heisman next week, but this is the best time of the year. We talk about the college awards. We're joined in studio by the executive director of the Maxwell Football Club and the Maxwell Football Awards, Mark Wolpert. Mark, how are you today?
4: Doing great. Great to be here with you guys. Thanks.
0: Well, this is what it's all about in terms of football awards. We know that the Maxwell Football Club did announce its semifinalists. You want to tell them who they are?
4: Well, actually, we're at finalists right now, and we have six candidates, three for each of the two awards. So for the Maxwell, we have Saquon Barkley from Penn State, and we have Bryce Love from Stanford, and the third finalist is Baker Mayfield from Oklahoma. Then on the Benarica side, uh, side, which is our Defensive Player of the Year award, we have Bradley Chubb from North Carolina State, we have Minka Fitzpatrick from Alabama, and we have Roquan Smith from Georgia. All pretty tough football players.
0: Yeah, all defensive-minded. And tough decisions, I <laughs> would think, over
1: the next couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, as voters uh, put their ballots in, it's going to be close, as it is every year.
4: No doubt. I think especially on the Benaric side, it's always a dogfight, so you got three really good football players there, very different skill sets, but it's going to be a close vote.
1: Let's keep it on Bednarik, Mark. Uh, Minka, phenomenal player, versatile defensive back. I I would even say maybe the most versatile defensive player in the country this season. How would you uh, sort of – how would you kind of grade his health right now? Is this a kid who's playing at 100%, particularly going into the Auburn game?
4: Well, it's hard to ha- uh, hard to tell. I mean, if you listen to Nick Saban's press conference, he doesn't give you a whole lot on that. Yeah. I know Micah practiced all week this week, and, you know, they, they rested him last week against Mercer. So he's going to be as healthy as he needs to be to play the Iron Bowl today. Uh, whether he's 100%, I'm not sure that any player in college football That's is 100% at yeah. this time of year. But, you know, that young man's special. He, he plays five defensive positions. He can play cover. He can play press man. He can play, you know, rover, outside Fun. linebacker. So when I look back at, at defensive players who won our Benarik Award, the one that kind of comes to mind for me is Tyran Matthew. Mm. Um, he, he doesn't get a chance to return punch so much, but he's very versatile. And he does a lot of real good things. Scored some
1: them. touchdowns last year, too, right? Yeah, I, mean, I, if... I
4: think they're just choosing not to use him <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah. Now, that might change today. You know, anything uh, goes uh, in you the know, Iron Bowl. All and, bets
1: are off yeah. when it comes to
0: uh, Auburn today. That's for sure. And he's a Jersey City kid, played at St. Peter's Prep with Richie Hansen. So. Yeah,
4: Jersey, Jersey City. Right. Uh, it's always it's nice to see guys from our area do well. Uh, he's going a long distance to go to school at Alabama, but I think – Obviously, for him, that's the right place to be. He's the keystone to their whole defense, and they're they're banged up on defense. Yeah. So they're, I, I believe, if I read correctly, Christian Miller's coming back today. The outside and, linebacker. Yeah, yeah, which is a big get for them if he can contribute. Yep. And, uh, you know, it, it's going to be an interesting game. I know we'll talk about it a little bit later, yep. but – uh, Minka certainly a key to success for them on defense.
0: I have a question in terms of what it takes to go into the process of these awards. Because I, I, I wanted to bring it up to you, too. Because Rashad Penny not being part of the Doak Walker Best Running Back in the Nation Award. Great right I mean, year for
1: running backs. Right. So, I mean, that, that's a tough but decision. The nation's yeah. leading yeah. rusher. So, I, I wanted to yeah. ask
0: you, you know, the process of, yeah. about yeah. what it goes into, you know,
4: well, I can only speak to what our processes are, and yeah. I know that each individual award has some very defined processes that they conduct throughout the season. You know, at the end of the day, it's a numbers game, and you're talking about a great player in Rashad Penny. He's going to play in the NFL. He's going to be a really good football player at the pro level. It's just when you look, as Rich said, when you look at the running backs, you have Saquon Barkley, who arguably is the best offensive football player in college football. I mean, in my opinion, what I've seen of him, uh, t- when I say that, I'm meaning as he translates to the NFL. Um, the You have t- great young, uh, John, uh, Josh Adams, who's a younger guy, who's really dynamic, and John Taylor, who's a Maxwell Award High School Jim Henry Award winner yeah. last year, who I looked at film of the kid in high school, and I knew he was special. I have to be honest. I didn't expect this as a yeah. freshman.
1: Well, Adams also is a Pennsylvania kid, too, right? Was he ever a part of the. uh... It's
4: funny. uh, For the first time ever, all three Max. uh, Well, you know, we have Saquon, who's a finalist, who is a mini Max Award winner. We have Josh, who's. And the other two aren't finalists for us, but they are both mini Max Award winners. So we have a really strong contingent of running backs, Yeah. yeah, out of the New Jersey, Pennsylvania area. Yep. Talk
1: a little bit about Barkley. Now, uh, for the audience doesn't realize you were actually out at the Penn State-Nebraska game scouting, yeah. among others, Saquon Barkley. Talk about the diversity of his skill set, because what I love is you rarely see a package that big, that fast, and that versatile in terms of what he could bring to an offense. Yeah,
4: I haven't seen anything like this in a long time. He's a great, hard runner. He finishes runs. He sees the field. You know, He gets up and runs the inside zone really well. If you give him space in the perimeter, he'll hurt you. Uh, and he can. He has the speed to go coast to coast. I mean, you get it. Once he gets past the second level, it's going to be a track meet because he's going to run, and most most times you're not going to catch him. Yeah. And at his size, it's incredible. I mean, he's large. He's strong. He's put together. The thing that impresses me the most about Saquon is his ability to catch the football. Um, Penn State has a certain package that they run offensively. It's pretty defined, and I think – that package uh, somewhat limits what saquon can do as far as individual and he's not about the individual so he's playing in his team scheme and that's all good what what my point is when he gets into the next level and they scheme things up a little bit differently um, penn state's running a lot of rpos now almost i don't want to say exclusively but there's a lot of them yeah and you know that's fine but at the nfl level that's not going to be the case as much there will be some rpo but Saquon's going to get featured a little bit more, I think. Um, and the, the great thing about him is if you get him in space, he's going to hurt you. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Brian Westbrook catching the football. And that's the best comparison that comes to mind for me. He's much bigger, much stronger. But he gets the, he, his great hands. He makes the first guy miss. He can run the next guy over. So this, this young man's got a bright future ahead in the, nat- in the national football And his league.
0: cutback ability, I mean, that's the one thing as well. He can cut on a dime. I mean, yeah. you, you see it especially in the Iowa game. Uh, that's the one thing. I
1: mean, special teams too, Joe. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and teams the open plays field, these guys too. I yeah. mean, he, be- he yeah. squats
3: like 500 pounds. I he's the know.
4: strongest guy yeah. on Penn State's yeah. team. Yeah. And I think when you look at it, and truth be told, his 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 total offense package is what everybody's looking at right now in terms of is he an award finalist or winner you know i don't know where that'll end up a week from now for the doke or for the maxwell award but i do know that you know without that component of what he did offensively i don't think he's in the discussion right now there was a few games that he, he would had mediocre performances not necessarily due to his own effort, but Penn State was very banged up on the offensive line. They were a little bit light there to begin with, and he doesn't have much to run behind right now, so he's a guy that needs to get it going. He needs to get in a rhythm, and I just don't think there was the ability to do that. Now, when I saw him against Nebraska, he certainly had a huge day. I think he went for like 150-something. In a limited game. I think it was a little more than a half. Yeah, he only played pretty much the first half on a a
0: horribly wet night, so he's definitely a, a guy to keep your eye on. What about Mayfield? I mean, he's a guy that I, I look at like a Drew Brees type in terms of size. I, I see mean, the similarities. You know, he's, he's completing 71% of his passes, 3,800 yards, 34 touchdowns. We know about the off-the-field stuff, but that translates to the NFL as well in terms of the intangibles.
4: Yeah, I mean, he's not your prototype size guy right. for the for the league, but... You know you're talking about a young man who's been a finalist for our award for at least a couple of years, and I think for the Davey O'Brien, at least two or th- yeah. maybe three yeah. so he has consistently done this over the course of time in college. it's not a surprise he's a leader, he's a field general, he's got that it factor you know he's an Oklahoma quarterback. he, he reminds me of guys who came before him who have that swagger, they get out there and they lead the team. Um, and and you know honestly i think he is somewhat overlooked sometimes when you really take a look at his numbers and what he's done for that team it's incredible i mean you take him out of the mix there and things are a lot different at ou
1: yeah there's no question about it and, and it, it's not just the numbers it's also the intangibles he brings something certainly a little different to that program sometimes it's not always desirable Right, I mean, sometimes no. he loses his cool, but uh, but he certainly is the uh, the straw that uh, stirs that drink. Let's uh, with the time we have, Mark. Let's talk a little bit of Iron Ball, Alabama. Auburn does not get any bigger than that, not just in terms of SCC West or Alabama, but just the national picture. Joe and I, uh, Joe and I like <laughs> <We're> Auburn <fun. laughs> today. You're probably going to think we need to have our head right? examined. I
4: actually, I don't. Um, I think this is a tough spot for Alabama today, and the. You know, what Keith Jackson used to say, it's going to be a doozy, yeah. right? Well, this is going to be a yeah. doozy. I, I expected this. Auburn's been getting better all year. Jared Stidham's pro, proven that, you know, that he can play. He's getting it done offensively for them. they got a running game that's probably arguably the best in the SEC right now. And Alabama's banged up. on their whole, their whole linebacker core, with the exception of Christian Miller, who's coming back today, is out. So they have some really young people playing in there who are super talented. Dylan Moses. Dylan Moses yeah, is yeah. is the true bright future. Okay, yeah, you're going to yeah. see that kid. Every, no he, doubt. He's on everybody's radar, yeah. but he's playing his third game now. I think maybe second or third game as a full time starter. That's a big. That's a big thing to ask in the Iron Bowl. Um, being at Auburn, you know, I, I think this game's a toss up. I, I, I would I would tend to agree with you. I think. Um, Auburn's probably got a little bit of an edge being at home they're yeah. a little healthier uh everybody's poo-pooing Alabama's schedule I really don't put much stock in that you play who you play right you know Mississippi State is a much different team than than we saw yesterday when they have yeah. Nick Fitzgerald under center yep. Yep. so you know you you're there to win the game if either you win it by one or ten or fifty it doesn't really matter and Nick Saban's all about winning the game yep. so you know, I think it'll be uh, it'll be entertaining. I mean, I got my family with me here. They're, they're going to walk around New York. I'm finding a place to watch the <laughs> Iron Bowl, I'll tell you the truth. Front and center <laughs> stage
0: for that, 330. I, I, we spoke about it as well. I mean, quickly, I mean, just yes or no. Does Auburn have to attack that Alabama defense vertically? You can't go sideline to sideline. That's right into their strength. You have to attack them straight on to neutralize their speed.
4: Yeah, they need to establish the game inside the box and then take shots when they can.
0: Well, this is what it's all about. When we come back, we'll be joined by Game Time Decisions host, Gabe Marenzi. We'll get his best bets for the weekend. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi and Ritz Sermonello, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34.
3: Hey, I'm Jeff. Look, I'm just a skeleton. I don't have an ACL anymore but i still like to know what it means when one of my fantasy players sprains his. That's why I use the Inside Injuries app. It was created by real doctors. So you're getting information directly from people who have seen, touched, and operated on actual ACLs. Take it from me, a skeleton. If you aren't using it, you might as well just be guessing.
0: Minutes away from kick. If you want to talk best bets, you bring in Game Time Decisions host, Gabe Marenzi. He joins us, Gabe. Ohio State, Michigan, you're rocking the Wolverine jersey yet again. If the Wolverines don't win today, don't talk to me for the rest of the year because I'm all over Michigan.
2: You know what? Uh, With the news that uh, John O'Cordova will be starting at uh, quarterback... (laughs) We're, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, in a, we're in a tough spot here right now. And let, let's be real. I mean, this thing's called the game, but it should be called the beatdown. Ohio State is on this robbery. It's, it's sad to admit that we're coming into this, and it's at a point right now, even with Harbaugh. And, guys, when, when, when Harbaugh took over, you know, like really as a football fan, I don't know if we've ever had a better hire, the perfect guy for the perfect job you know, everything fell into place, and I sort of thought that, you know, these Saturdays were going to be more enjoyable. And, I, you know, it's, it's a little bit frustrating. This is from a fan, not a better, but I'm coming into this football game feeling the same way I did like when Brady Hoke or Rich Rodriguez was in our coach. But, oh, yeah, when Rich Rodriguez and Brady Hoke was our coach, we actually beat them sometimes. I mean, it, you know, it's getting kind of stale. And I understand anybody that follows Michigan knows that last year – I mean, look, they have 13 guys in the NFL draft. I mean, let, let's be real. You know, this, this team was not designed to win a national championship this year. But, you know, it's the cliche. It's unacceptable to me to lose to Michigan State. It's unacceptable to continuously lose to these other guys up here. All right? I'm tired of it. And I, you know, I'm going to go Bobby Knight. And I'm tired of getting my ass kicked by Purdue here. You know, if you guys don't get it together. I'm going to run your ass into the freaking ground. And the thing is, there's no one to run to the ground. The defense is playing great. The kids are trying. You know, I, I I pray for John O'Korn. He's a good kid. And you figure that John O'Korn, you know you, you, you know, you need a backup quarterback. How about a kid that started before? How about a kid that was a gunslinger with the Houston Cougars? How about a kid with a ton of experience? He's rattled for one reason or another. You know, Harbaugh's got to speak to him like Fraser Crane right now. Forget about everything else, John. This is it. This is what you were brought here to do to win this football game. Go out there. Have fun. Michigan are playing with house money in this football game. But I'm very disappointed that Peters couldn't go. But let's be real. It's not like Peters is Joe Montana or something like that. You know, hey, Dylan McCaffrey, are you ready to go yet or what?
1: You're not ready to pull that red shirt, are you? on McCaffrey. (laughs)
2: Yeah, right now, Rich.
1: <laughs> well, you know what? The funny thing is, is uh, Gabe. I, I think that is the sentiment throughout Michigan Nation. You know, the Wolverines are unhappy with what's taking place. Obviously, I said this to Joe earlier in the show. I'm not suggesting hot seat. That's ridiculous. You know, this guy's here for as long as he wants to be. But I think there's a lot of pressure on Harbaugh, considering how he's done against rivals. Considering the first couple of games against yeah. Ohio State, although they competed and and probably should have won last uh, last year's game if not for a bad call. I think Jim needs this game in the worst way.
2: You know, I'm not one of these crazy fans. And I just tweeted this a little frustration earlier, you know, that, you know, some of the things that I just stated, people like, so what, you're calling for him to be fired? And I'm like, no, obviously not. I mean, he's, you know, we've got our guy, obviously not. And it's not the program's not in disarray. You know, they're exactly who Las Vegas thought that they were going to be. It's as simple as that. You know, this team is exactly, they they played up at the numbers. They've sort of played like I thought. I don't like losing to Michigan State. You know, I don't like coming into these Ohio State games as double-digit underdogs. It's not a rivalry game if it's a double-digit under. You're a double-digit underdog. You know that—that's the part that bothers me. But with that being—uh—without being stated, you know, the point spread's going up right now, guys. With the news uh, of O'Corn. we'll get you the updated number um, up to thirteen uh, right now. So not too much of a line move. The total is at 49 and a half right now. I think we've got a low-scoring game here, and you know, let's let's get in for, from a betting perspective. Um, I, I'm going to take a small piece of Michigan. It's not a best bet, but it's the game, so you know, let's get get that out of the way right now. I'm going to take a small piece of Michigan plus the 13. Uh, but uh, if if you really want to make money on this game, I really don't see how Michigan's going to move the football. I really don't, and I think Michigan will be able to contain J.T. Barrett. Uh, Don Brown has done a nice job um, you know, of, of forcing J.T. Barrett to throw the football, keeping him in the pocket. So I think Michigan's defense will hold uh, their end of the deal up. I'm not so sure about the offense. I think the under, and the under's coming down now, it's 49-and-a-half.
0: Wow. Uh, we'll see. I mean I think if Michigan wins this ball game, they're gonna have to run the football game, so the under would be the play in that matchup, so we'll see yeah, if when,
2: it... when have they ran the football? There's been a couple of instances where Evans has made a play here or there. That's the thing that frustrates me. It's not the record. All right? It's not the record. But I don't understand how we've got, you know, you know, we've we've got three quarterbacks and none of them are any good. You know I don't understand how we're Michigan with Harbaugh and our offensive line isn't like bulldozing people off the, the the line of scrimmage. I don't understand how we you know we average less than four yards a rush. It's the fundamentals that bother me. Everything about the football team's great. You know it's funny. It seems like you know Don Brown's doing a great job. We have no problems with his defense. It's the offense. I'm looking at Harbaugh here, and you know it's amazing to me. You know who the Michigan Wolverines have evolved into, guys? The Baltimore Ravens and his brothers team. You know, average the pedestrian quarterback play, great defense, and um, you know, you know, just sort of you gotta hope that you you intercept the other team, you know, fourteen times in a game. That's Amazing a great comparison. Each other right now.
1: That's a really good comparison. Never thought about that. That's that's fascinating. Think about
2: the way they play right now. Yeah. This addition is rich, isn't it?
1: Yeah, no, that's a, that is a great
0: parallel. Although I think Michigan would like Joe Flacco as their quarterback as opposed <laughs> yeah. to John O'Corn. I would yeah. take Flacco today if he can come out and just uh, come out hey, into the big house. The left? I think he used it <laughs> up. To <pick> the <laughs> well, Gabe, what about this 12 o'clock game? It is in the Big Ten. Both teams are 5-6. and six. It's an intriguing matchup, Indiana and Purdue. I like Purdue here. I think they get a double-digit win. Really like the way this defense is playing.
2: Yeah, you know what? I like the I like the Purdue Boilermakers in this uh in this football game as well. Jeff Robb's done a great uh, job. Uh, they can get bowl eligibility uh, with, with the win here. That's the game that I do have my eye on actually as well. I like the Purdue Boilermakers in this spot.
1: Gabe, uh, I I don't know if it's a best bet, but obviously I have to ask you about the Iron Bowl. Biggest game of the day. Joe and I are both favoring Auburn. I think it'll be a close competitive. I think what you see is what you get from these two football teams. But I I think at the end of the day, Daniel Carlson, with his foot, will win it for Auburn. Uh, What do you think? You
2: know, I'm looking at this uh, football game at... I like Jared Stidham a lot. I was, I was so excited when, when he announced he was going to Auburn. I'm a big Gus Malzahn fan uh, as well. But with, that being, uh, with all that being stated, you, you look at the rivalry of this and you hear people talk, and this is the best rivalry game right now. You know, People can talk about the game, but if we're talking about the, a game that has national championship implications on an annual basis, then clearly it is uh, the Iron Bowl. Uh, but I know there's a fallacy out there. That oh the iron bowl is always close. It's never close. Like, you know, it's never close. We had that one game, with the you know, one game with, with the missed field goal. And uh, when was that? Uh, we're going back to um, 13, Oklahoma, I think it was. Yeah. yeah, 2013. So other than that, 18 point win last year for Alabama. 16 point win a year before that for Alabama. 11 point win a year before that for Alabama. All uh, like right, the 34-28 game. Before that, it was 49 nothing for Alabama. 42-14 uh, for Alabama. We have to go back to 2010. Auburn beat him in 2010. So, I, I don't know. I, I must be missing something in all these close games that these teams play. Jared Stidham might be a better combine quarterback, you know, as far as the NFL draft is concerned, uh, than Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts has been in more big games, has handled the pressure more. Knicks, you know, it's amazing to me. People just, oh, you know, they got injuries. They're not playing as well. You know, all the, you know this and that. and they don't, Yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, we're talking about Alabama here. There's a reason why the point spread's going up right now. Because, the, you know, the smart guys are jumping in uh, on the tide here. I think Alabama's pedigree in big games will just be too much. I think they, they'll be able to slow down the rushing attack. They're going to force – they're going to slow down Williams. Then they're going to force Jared Stidham to throw the football and beat him. He's going to turn the ball over. I don't think it's a blowout, but I think a, uh, I think a defensive, uh, defensive touchdown is going to be the difference here. I think the Bama defense – We'll step up, make a play, put the ball in the end zone for them like they always do in a big game, or at least give Hurts uh, give, uh, and that offense some great field position along the way. I think Alabama will win this game. I will be betting uh, Alabama in this game, and it is one of my better bets. Uh, I'm laying the points with, uh, with Bama
0: in the Iron Bowl. Gabe, great insight. We'll get you on next hour. We'll talk about those 3.30 and 8 o'clock ball games. We'll talk to you in about an hour. Oh, I'm fired up, man!
2: I'm fired up for the battle, uh, the battle of Nevada, and uh, I've got some strong insight on this one. It's crazy. Out of all these games, I'm actually looking forward to that game the most, man. I want to see the Rebels get into a bowl
0: We'll see. Armani Rogers playing very yeah. well. Uh, the one thing that he brought up, he, he's against us on Alabama and Auburn. I mean, yeah. I mean, I can't blame him. I mean, no, I understand the rationale, these, For sure. I mean. Yeah. Here's the thing. I mean, is the pressure go back on Gus Malzahn if they get blown out today? I mean, he's, he's sort of skidded he, by,
1: you know, every other coach Bielma's well, gone. Well, a couple of things to keep in mind. I, 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 think he got a, I think he earned a lot of goodwill and equity with that victory over Georgia, number one. And number two, it's swirling around that he might want to go back home to Arkansas. The opening is there. The Razorback administration would love to have Gus Malzahn, an Arkansas native, back in the state. So, whether he kind of winds up on the hot seat, I think this man's going to have a job either way in 2018. Well, prior to going to Auburn, he was the coach of Arkansas State. Yes. So, coach of Arkansas State? A high school legend yes. in the state of Arkansas? So, yeah. Also coached at Tulsa, if you recall. Right? Uh, that yeah, that would
0: put Auburn into un- uncertainty. Who goes there? You know who the backup plan is? Tell Bobby me. Petrino. Yeah, well, they, they had
1: their eyes on him one time,
0: didn't they? Yeah, we'll see what happens in the Iron Bowl. It's a three thirty kick when we come back. Rapid fire selections: Joe Lisi and Ritz Sermonella live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Studio Thirty Four.
3: unlock the secrets of injury analysis.
0: Into it, Texas a and I'm on the road in Baton Rouge, Death Valley, probably Kevin Sumlin's last game as head coach for the Aggies. Darius Geis had a huge day last year, 285 yeah. rushing yards, school record. I think
1: LSU wins, but I would take the points with Texas A&M here. I was leaning towards Texas A&M at the beginning of the week, and then I heard the news about Kevin Sumlin. It worries me what the mindset of those Aggies are going to be heading into this game. Apparently the news is that regardless of what happens in Baton Rouge, Joe, Kevin Sumlin will will be coaching his final game uh, for Texas A&M. That's a concern of mine. I like where Texas A&M has been playing lately. Nick Starkel has provided a, a little bit of a jolt to the offense. i got to go with LSU right now. I'm worried about the mindset of the Aggies.
0: Lamar Jackson on the road in Lexington. They lost this matchup in Papa John's last year, 41-38. to 38. They're playing much better, coming off a dominating home win over Syracuse. But I like Kentucky here. I think their front seven has the type of game plan to contain Lamar Jackson, force him to beat them over the top. I like Benny Snell. I like Steven Johnson. I think they get the outright win over the Cardinal, Yeah, Joe, later I'm
1: with you on this one. I'm surprised by the line. I think it's too high. It's all predicated on Lamar Jackson taking the game over. But while Louisville has played better, especially defensively, I've been impressed. I, I like Benny Snell. I like the defensive talent in the front seven of Kentucky. And at home, in a rivalry game as hostile as this one, I think Kentucky at worst keeps it close.
0: Yeah, NC State coming off a road loss to Wake Forest, 30-24 to last week. They come back home and face in-state rival North Carolina playing much better three and eight overall but i think this is a bad matchup for the tar heels offensive line concerns for north carolina going up against bradley chubb in that defensive front seven i think they forced third down along long situations get some quarterback pressures look for jalen samuels and ryan finley to break out i think they cover this number
1: well i i, I see your rationale i'm gonna go with the tar heels simply because i think it matters more it's kind of a an old statement but i think for north carolina which is at a rough season i think this is their bowl game a rivalry game against nc state whereas you know the Wolfpack had such high hopes a couple of weeks ago but the back-to-back losses demoralizing uh to notre dame to clemson and then last week a really tough loss at the end where the kid fumbled at the end zone against wake forest i i don't know if nc state's going to be really jacked up for this game. North Carolina will play with more passion and cover the spread.
0: Yeah, ACC clash. It's Duke sitting at 5-6 and six on the road to face John Wolford and a hot Wake Forest team. David Cutcliffe and the crew playing a little bit better. They right. knocked off Georgia Tech last week, but I think this is a, a sleeping giant in Wake Forest. Love what Wolford's done with that yeah. offense. Uh,
1: there's no question. I mean, John Wolford's has one of the breakout stars in the country. I think, I think he actually played his way into possible contention to be drafted maybe third day but i think it could be drafted next year he's played that well i like duke in this game because i think they found the formula for success last week after really struggling for a long stretch, they finally started to run the ball. And you can run the ball on Wake Forest as well as the Deacons have played this year. They've been very soft, surprisingly soft defensively. I think this is a shootout. I'll take the nine and a half points and the Blue Devils.
0: Yeah, Wolford does have 24 touchdowns, three interceptions. I like Wake Forest in that matchup. Rich does like Duke in that ball game. Arizona, Arizona State, Rich Rod and Khalil Tate. I'm going with uh, Graham and the crew. You I are. like I like him, uh, Caitlin Balage. I like Richard, and I like Manny Wilkins. I think they can attack
1: that Arizona defense vertically. Very soft on defense, Arizona. I like, I like Tate. I think he's the best player in this game. I think it'll be entertaining, high scoring. I'll take Arizona on the road to beat the Sun Devils. Matt Campbell and the crew on the road against Bill Snyder and Kansas
0: State. Both teams Hurt me last week. <laughs> I'm going back They're to dead my. To you. Ro- I'm going back to my roots. I know where I you're love going. The Cyclones. Well, of course you do. More blue
1: collar than Kansas State, and I look for David Montgomery to break out later. today. I will take Kansas State again. I've talked about their special teams, but I like where Skylar Thompson has gone the last couple of weeks. Thought he played well in that just unbelievable upset of Oklahoma State. I'll take Kansas State at home in Manhattan to beat Iowa State.
0: Just when you think Kansas State is down and out, they shock you as a 21 point under dog when we come back we'll be breaking down the rest of the top 25 battles joe lisi and ritz sermonella live in the fantasy sports radio network studio 34